welcome to episode number 85 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Hope everyone's doing well out there. My name is Patrick Rahal. I am Patrick the, uh, Patsy the Angry Nerd. I'm fucking that up right wow. out of the gate. All right. Good I job. Even, I even wrote shit down this week so I wouldn't fuck things up. I am the shaman of sharks and the archduke of angry nerdiness. Joining me, as always... The goddess of giggles and the priestess of profanity, the ironborn Agent Nicole. What profanity? I am good over here. Yeah, all right. Penis. (laughs) (laughs) In joke, you had to be there. Yes, and you weren't, so you don't get it, and that's why we're excluding you. I don't know. That's 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 rude. That's mean. I'm pretty sure they get penis. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Some some people more than others. <laughs> True story. We are also joined, as you just heard, by the wine witch, the mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, Asher's von Nightmare. I'm very excited for this episode. I know you are. I am very excited. Do you have wine? I have lots of wine. <laughs> like and, legit wine to drink like now. Um, dry for the past couple of episodes. I what well, mean like concerned. I have okay so I have a bottle of wine however I don't have my handy dandy wine opener with Ooh, me I have mine in the car because I I had my multi tool in the car when we went to the concert the other day but I had to take it out of my pocket because I can't get through security with it so it's still in the car so okay maybe during break yeah yes uh, we are of course also joined as always by the conductor of the crazy train that is the Grand Guignol Network. Johnny Wolfenstein. And uh, indeed, we are going off the rails. We have gone off the rails. Already. Like, that's, I think that's a record. We didn't even start the show yet. <laughs> well, off the rails before the show even started. Yeah. Penis. There you go. See? <laughs> <laughs> right back on now. <laughs> so, we have a, a, a very special uh, group of guests this week. And this is uh, something of a, a, a new thing for us. So, introducing first, uh, he is the administrator of Amalgamania, your home for character carnage, who is so dedicated to being on the show that he drove here from Maryland. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ian Wallace. Woo! Hello, everybody. That's nuts. <laughs> That's <laughs> nuts. Yeah, we're, we're really we're not, not, not that great. Not. <laughs> That's what I do best. Uh, we are also joined by the host of the Old Man Wade podcast. I hope I got that right. I hope I didn't fuck that up. Uh, we, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was sure when I was supposed to go. I'll say Old Man Wade, or you call me Senior Penis. All right. <laughs> Either one works. Uh, Mr. Mark Lynch. What's going on, everybody? Glad to have you. And, of course, Justin. He's a triple threat. That's right. <laughs> To be determined. We're not going to tell you what the threats are because, you know, you have to figure that out on your own. Suspenseful. So we are uh, very happy to have you folks here with us today. Uh, We're going to be discussing one of our favorite characters. And the ladies over there are especially excited because Nicole. Did it get really, really hot in here or is it just me? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Sweet zombie Jeebus. So what we like to do. Uh, if you're uh, not a uh, frequent listener of the show and you've never uh, checked us out before, what we like to do when we have guests on is we like to do a little segment we call Getting Into Character. And so we ask each of our guests 
a couple of random questions that may or may not have anything to do with the topic of the day. And uh, we kind of put them on the spot, have them think about like these random answers. So who amongst you would like to go first for these questions? You're all going to get the same question. You're each going to get two questions, but who wants to go first? Everybody, apparently. <laughs> I think you picked, Patrick. Yeah. All right, you know what? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll, get, I'll get volunteered. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we'll, go, we'll go with Mark first. So the question, and see, now you guys get, we'll go opposite order coming back. So the question today is, because we're talking about uh, Mr. Stacker Pentecost from Pacific Rim, what would be the special weapon in your Jaeger to uh, fight the kaiju? I would spout a bunch of random nonsense and annoyingness until their head explodes. Okay, that's fair. I like it. I, I think you stole Patsy's gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Ian? Wow, super. Can't even think of a good one. You want to get a little closer? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> special power in my Jaeger. I think it would be to be invisible. Okay. I think I'd like to have some kind of camouflage. Like like the fighting Predator light refraction? Foot. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Reflective light kind of stuff, fighting 70-foot monsters is better if they don't see you. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I think that's true for pretty much any fight yeah. against monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't see you. You're doing good. Yes. Justin, you're? Really, I would just want to drive Guy King as my, uh, as my Jaeger, and so I got to go with the rainbow beam. All right, there you go. So now we are going to go in the opposite order. So, Justin, you're going to go first. Based on your personal skills, what do you wish was an Olympic event that would earn you a gold medal? Napping? (laughs) (laughs) That would be be a a hell of a medal. It's like, oh, yeah, look at this. No one naps better than me. I am literally the best in the world at this. Ian. Beer pong. Beer pong, okay. Beer pong, I would take home the gold every year. Excellent. Mark? Passive aggressive. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know how, uh, how dirty the show was going to go, because I was really expecting someone to say masturbating. I was really expecting. Wow. Is that your is answer? That yours? Yeah. <laughs> is that your? I can say things like that. Oh, oh, you can say anything you want. I mean, if I can say penis, why not? <laughs> yeah, but that's a medical Cock term. Balls. Yeah. See, if you're like cock, like that's a little different. I shouldn't yell that so loud. This is we are literally upstairs. There from are seven-year-old girls downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably not what we want to be yelling. With the window open. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. The window's open. <laughs> probably outside. What the fuck is going on up there? Oh, man. Oh. So what we're going to be doing today, like I, uh, I briefly touched upon, uh, we're going to be talking, uh, oh, no pun intended on that one. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about Idris Elba's character in uh, Pacific Rim, Stacker Pentecost. And the reason we're going to be talking about him is, uh, as many folks know, the sequel is going to be coming out shortly. And his son is going to be played by John Boyega. I think his name is Jake. I, I, I think I, so, yeah, Jacob. Like, I totally Jacob couldn't remember Pentecost. his name. I, I was, well, it's better than Zacker. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I don't know where that name came from, but. So. It's biblical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so what we're going to do, we'll take a, uh, a short break. We'll get you know right into the discussion. We'll, uh, we'll get some background. We'll get some history on this guy. And uh, you know, we'll hear what the ladies have to say, obviously. Oh, a lot. <laughs> a so lot. We will be right back. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkeys. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebag. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. Well, hello there, neighborinos. The handle's Mr. Most Days Off, but my friends call me Miles, and I'm the host of the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Hello, Mr. Most Days Off. <laughs> and that's my best friend, Richie the Whiz Kid, the co-host of Best Darn Diddly. Hi, diddly ho there, podcasterinos. The Best Darn Diddly Review Show is a weekly journey through the entire Simpsons series, hosted by us, two guys who grew up loving The Simpsons. We discuss every diddly, every doodly, and every do. So lace up your assassin sneakers, put on your skin-tight ski suit, and head down the slopes with us at Best Darn Diddly. Stupid, sexy Best Darn Diddly. You can catch us each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. And we're back. So I hope, uh, Mark, I hope you weren't too bored during the uh, the little intermission there. Because I know you can't hear the same stuff we're hearing, but, you know, you have your juice there. Yeah, so, uh, my gallon of lemonade. So before we get into the discussion, I just want to point out a couple of things when it comes to the eagerness with which Ashes... <laughs> And Nicole watched this film. Now, Nicole had... I had let her borrow this movie. She had it for roughly three and a half years before she watched it. Ashes kept saying, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. For five years? Oh, so I get shit for not seeing it. Oh, no. She's getting shit right now. So finally, we watch the movie and I say, so what did you think? Okay, so in my defense, first of all, 
I thought it looked pretty stupid. I mean, I love kaiju. I, I, but you lost me at the whole mech suit, whatever. It just looked really cheesy, like really Ditto. cheesy. So I started calling it Pacific Rim Job. <laughs> Patrick's like, oh, let's watch Pacific Rim. I'm like, I don't want to watch Pacific Rim Job. <laughs> um, That's a different movie. I'm pretty sure we can get that from Monster Zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I watched it, and I was like, why didn't you tell me Idris Elba was in this? And I said, I did. I even showed you the speech that he made. And you're like, I don't care. I'm not watching it. Okay, first, I don't think I would ever wine. say that. <laughs> Okay, I would have said that, but I don't think I would have said it quite like that. No, you didn't quite sound like that. And Nicole, what was the reason you took forever to watch it? I just thought it was a cheap remake of Transformers. Wow. Is that what Guillermo del Toro means to you? Well, I didn't know he did it, so that... You had it for three years. I think that's adequate time to read the back of the DVD case. (laughs) All the time, Nicole. Did you uh, did you did you watch uh, Pacific Rim? Well, if you're gonna no, watch- I didn't have time. I was rewatching Lucy no, 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 for no. 60, the, the 65th no, time. No, no, no. In our defense, we all know. If you know Patsy, you know that he does not have the greatest taste in movies. Incorrect. I thought it Birdemic, was one of those really, really lame, cheesy sci-fi whatever. I would like to hear Algaro's opinions about that when he finds I did. His- Our buddy El Goro does the Talk Without Rhythm podcast and I'm a uh, patron so we got to pick if you're a patron you donate a certain amount per month you get to pick a movie for him to review and since he's the best film critic I know I wanted to hear his thoughts on Birdemic and his <coughs> response was oh you bastard. <laughs> so, But he's going to do it. That's, <laughs> that episode's going to come out I think uh, late February. Sweet. He hasn't returned your call since, though. No. <laughs> no. 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 Patsy's no. been unfriended on Facebook. <laughs> Has anybody else here seen Birdemic? No. Just I have it. not. Yes. All right, so yes. you know what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, yes. The worst CGI birds I've ever seen in my life. Yes. They hover, they explode, they make jet sounds. <laughs> the birds. The birds. Oh, it's it's awful. It's so bad. Bad as Sharknado? Oh, no, Sharknado had oh. production value. This was like an eighth-grade <laughs> AV project. Oh, wow. It, awesome. it makes Sharknado look like Othello. It does. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so yeah. yeah, I didn't trust your opinion, so I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. That's unbelievable. unbelievable. And plus, you kept pestering me, so then I made sure I was longer than seeing it. I would wait like every few months. Hey, have you had a chance to watch it yet? Oh, no, I've been really busy for the past six months. But long story short, we've watched it and we liked it. And we're looking forward to the sequel. And we're really looking forward to talking about Idris Elba. Yes, I know. Right now. We'll we'll get there. (laughs) Okay. So, Mark, I assume you've seen this movie. Oh, yes. All right, and what were your? Uh, did you see it in the theaters? Did you pick it up afterwards? You know, what were your thoughts? Uh, I absolutely did not see it in theaters. I was I paid a dollar to go watch it on Redbox. Okay. <laughs> I watched the movie in amazement. It was mad that I didn't have the cinematic um, experience for that. It's exactly what you expect. It's just a bunch of robots beating the crap out of kaiju. Like, how do you not go into that thinking anything else but that? 
There's a robot hitting a giant monster with a fucking boat. Like, how do you beat that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good selling point. Like, that you? should be that. No, go ahead. No, honestly, that should have been like the poster. It's a giant robot hitting a monster with a fucking boat. Yeah, and that should have been the tagline. Tagline. I'd go see that movie. I'd go see that movie. That marketing sells itself. Right. Ian, how about you? When did did you first see this, and what were your initial thoughts? In the movies, and I haven't seen it since. I saw it in the movies, and then I haven't watched it again since this weekend just to kind of bone up on the character for the show. And um, I got to kind of go with the ladies on this. I saw it, and the first thing I thought was Power Rangers. (laughs) I went to go see it anyway in the movies because it, you know, had a couple of good qualities. Idris Elba, um, Charlie Hunnam, which um, I really like this character for Sons of Anarchy. So I went to go check it out. And I don't remember liking it the first round. I really didn't. But surprisingly, after watching it this weekend, I really noticed that it was a pretty good damn movie. Okay. Like it really was. Like I think it was just more, I took my son to go see it. And like you said, just kind of that giant robot hitting the monster with a fucking boat kind of thing. Yeah. Was like mm-hmm. that's what I took my son to go see it. And um, Yeah. The six-year-old in me was just like, giant monsters, giant robots, what can go what wrong? Can, what can go wrong, exactly. So that was my thinking going in, and I didn't really enjoy it. But the second watch, I thought it was a pretty good movie. And that happens a lot. You know, you don't yeah. enjoy something at first, but then you watch it again, and you're like... Different mind frame, different time, and yeah. paid a little more attention to it, yeah. Justin? Well, it, well, I actually saw it in IMAX. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Um, d- yeah, because I was... I mean, when I first saw the trailer for it, it's like, this is everything that I want. I mean... It, Guillermo del Toro making making movies with giant robots hitting a monster with a fucking boat, you know, right. with, yeah. you know, and Ron Perlman. I mean, like this is this is everything I want, yeah, and and I was I was a little disappointed when I saw it because like I thought it was good, but I, I was expecting more, and I think I was expecting more because it was Guillermo del Toro, and. I kind of I, I I tend to feel like he's maybe better when he has less of a budget to work with. Yeah. Um, like when his storytelling is a little better. But as as far as giant robots, you know, hitting a hitting a monster with a fucking boat goes, I mean, you know, it it, it delivered the spectacle that I that I needed. You know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like I I think there was some there was some excellent. Uh... Excellent cinematography. The colors were amazing. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Agreed. It oh, was yeah. a beautiful movie. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when the, uh, the Gypsy Danger is fighting towards the end and he gets smashed into a, a, a building and he just barely hits the Newton's cradle and sets the balls to yeah, clacking back and, back and forth. I was like, yeah. that's a hell of a scene. That that's really a hell was, of a shot, that too. Was done well. um, and, uh, you know, Charlie Day. Was just Charlie Day is a fucking scientist, like right. <laughs> that was See, awesome. and that I was, think that was like my second favorite character. In the, movie. the most unbelievable part. I could not take him seriously, like you didn't at have all. To. You really didn't have to at all. All I wanted to go is ah, <laughs> yeah. Kaiju mittens. Kaiju mittens. Oh <laughs> is your kaiju clawing at your furnitures? <laughs> make too much noise all the time. You are so stupid. Yeah, so this was actually my first um, introduction to Idris Elba as an actor that I'm aware of. Like, you know, I had seen him in, in Thor, but not realizing that that was him, you know, with the orange eyes and the huge, he- you know, helmet and every all the weird armor. 
Like, you know, it did enough to camouflage who he was, you know, as as an actor, as, you know, any other, you know, like, facial prosthetic. But I thought that his character, he's... The way I looked at it, and maybe you guys have different thoughts, and I hope you do because I want to argue a little bit about this. Um, He took what should have been a generic character, because it's the same, like, no nonsense, like, I have my reasons, I'm not going to tell you why I do what I do, and made him compelling. Like, you actually cared about this character because he has so much charisma and he has so much, you know, gravitas that he brings to his roles um, he took a standard, you know, I'm a by the book type guy and made him interesting. Like, what do you guys think about that? Well, Mark, you're raising your hand. Uh, well, just, well, I was going to say the reason for that being is just because everything he does is just, it's certain people can act and certain people can speak, certain people can do both. So when he's on scene, everything about him just, it's, you're attracted to him. So as soon as he opens his mouth and he starts speaking with that, like that deep, smooth voice, you're automatically like, I need to hear everything he's saying. So it takes, so you kind of don't realize that he's the stereotypical or the um, cliche, take no business. Um, um, I'm all about my business type of character. Right. Yeah. Ashes, you were about to say something. Well, I was going to say like this character, um, you, easily could have written it off because it's not the main character his story is not the main story it's not the story that you're supposed to care about however um idris elba is such a charismatic actor that you know regardless of what he does you care about it you know excuse me and i think that he approached this role Similar to how he approaches every role. Very handsome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Basically, yeah. Yes. And he has, um, you know, he has the, you know, when I was talking about, like, the gravitas he has as an actor, like, he has the presence, like, in American Gangster, when he, you know, faces down Denzel Washington, like, that was a hell of a scene, you know, and I don't think he gets as much credit as, you know, maybe he should. Oh, he was in a scene with Denzel. Yeah. But I mean, like, I'm just talking like in general, he doesn't get as much ready. Like, he's a very strong actor and he can he can play, you know, the, the, the straight man to a, a comedic actor like we saw in The Office. We can, you know, he can play, you know, like a badass like we saw in pretty much everything else that he does. You know, his, you know, being Heimdall, being uh, Roland the Gunslinger, like he has that ability. But, you know, and this might be an unpopular opinion. Unlike a guy like Denzel, he actually plays different characters in all of his movies. You know, Denzel's pretty much the same guy every time. Idris Elba is able to, you know, kind of mold his acting towards what the the situation is, but still have that, like, air of danger and intimidation about him, even in a comedic role, again, like in The Office. So I think he brought a lot of that to the Stacker Pentecost role, where, like Asha said, it's not a major role, but at the same time, like he was a focal point. Like I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that you know Del Toro gave him more of a story and kind of included him more. Um, you know, like what happens with uh, Mako and you know that whole history and everything. If it had been a different actor, I don't know if they could have pulled that off. 
Agent Nicole, what do you think? Hold on, I have to collect my thoughts. I was just thinking of it in Giselle. Oh, all right. Um, no, I really, like, I agree with what you said. I don't think Denzel would be able to play it off, whereas Idris Elba, like, I've, I'm a fan of him in Luther, which he really, um, you see his his acting chops really well. And it's just, I, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed Pacific Rim mostly because of his story. I know it wasn't, like, the biggest focus point, but it was just, I don't know, it gave it heart. Like, the movie gave it, it gave it some real, like, heart and soul to the film. Well, I mean, his character has such a tragic backstory. Losing his family, losing his partner, you know, he adopts Mako, um, and how that happens, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a tragedy in and of itself, um, you know, to find out that he's sick and dying because of his chosen profession. I mean, he has cancer caused by the old models of the Jaegers, um, you know, to what he ultimately ends up doing. I don't think his character so much goes through like a character evolution. And you guys can disagree with me. Um, but it's a pretty solid character. But he does give a range of emotion with you know um certain scenes see i think the character evolution like we're seeing the end result of his evolution well right right i mean like like well, what i'm saying though is what we see on screen is yeah, not much is of a character evolution the end result evolution. of everything he's gone right, through and he's right. got to this point where and you see some of his uh, his other decisions that he's made so like justin when you were watching it and you you got to see it in IMAX, so you know you got to see it in a lot more detail than the mm-hmm. rest of us. <clears throat> when you were, were you know seeing the interactions he had with some of the other characters, like what was your impression of like who this character was? Well, I mean, I mean, his this whole thing—it's like you were saying—it's it's it's evident that the stack of Pentecost that that you're presented with is is like the end result of of many years of of what's already happened to him. Um, uh, you know, but uh, I think that he kind of takes on like that that father figure role certainly for uh, uh, Charlie Hunnam, oh, you know, yeah, and yeah, for, you know for you know, but uh, I don't know. I, I mean, he's uh, I, I like the way that they that they presented him as being like the only guy who's ever been able to drive the thing on his own. Yeah. Um. And but then they kind of use that to set up the fact that you know somebody's gonna have to do that at some point. You know. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, he's more of the, I think I think they treat him more of as a parallel to to the new generation you know, as like you know he's kind of like the lesson that they have to li- to learn from. You know. Right. Like I've seen all this, and this is why I am the way I am. Even though, like, things might be different now and, like, things might be done differently. Like, I'm old school. Right. And yeah. old school works. How about you, Ian? What was what was your initial... Because you said you didn't like it at first. So, you know, you you had a, a different perspective than we did. Yes, I did. And um, honestly, I think it was a lot more... Again, did um, Guillermo del Toro write the movie as well as direct it? Or? I believe he did. Okay. Again, I think that it was about... More so about the writing... Don't get me wrong. I love Idris Elba as an actor. I want to say that first before I go into my opinion. But um, I didn't think that 
him his acting alone was what held that character. I think the writing and like you said, kind of a lot of the elements, don't get me wrong, his ability was definitely mm-hmm. prevalent, but it was a lot more about again, this story. This man who had seen and traversed so much only to lose more and then to like lead the human race into survival. Um by deed and by action and Again, that's something. I think that's the more attractive part of it. Oh, no, keep going. I'm just after you're finished. I know. Okay. Yeah, I was. I was, I saw your hand okay. over there. <laughs> I think. Um, I think just um him him going into and being written the way that he was. I think for me that was the more attraction for me was just the story behind it, and I didn't really see. I mean, Idris Elba was pretty amazing. No matter what you give him, he has range like. It's unbelievable the range this man has. He can mm-hmm. play anyone, and the fact that he's actually English and speaks with an American accent or can sound pretty much however you need him to, um, he can do anything, basically. So it wasn't like a real challenge with that kind of writing and with that kind of like uh, the monsters, the robots. Like, There's just so much surrounding this already great actor, and in my opinion, the best actor that was in that movie. Oh, yeah, hands down. So it wasn't like you weren't expecting, like, a blockbuster role from him. It was just kind of like he was already, like, it's like putting Michael Jordan on the All-Star team. It's like, oh, great, Mike's here. Right, when you have a when you have a, uh, <laughs> yeah. you have a, a great, when you have a, a, a guy who can write great scripts, and Del Toro did write it with a couple other people, when you have a guy who, who's so good at writing characters and writing scripts combined with, a talented actor, like it's just, it's so much easier. It makes everybody's job easier. Right, Nicole, what do you got? Well, I just looked up that you know Del Toro actually offered the role to Tom Cruise first before garbage. Which wow, yeah. I would not. Yeah, yeah, yeah he had to turn it down due to scheduling for conflicts faith. for one of the Mission God. Impossible movies. Yeah, Ooh. so love Ethan Hunt though. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Cruise is a good actor, but like. There was no running and no motorcycles in this, so I don't know what Cruz was going to be doing. Just stand there uh, and look crazy. His first kaiju would have been a running um, thing on a motorcycle. Yeah, his his Jaeger would have been a, like a unicycle thing. Oh, that thing where he's yeah. got where he's got to strap into uh, where he's got to strap in inside the Jaeger. He could have slid in on his socks and his shirt. You know, oh and, like, yeah, you know, just slid right into that it. That's some risky great. business, right, right yeah. there. That is some risky business. Uh, yeah, see, that's and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I don't think another actor could have pulled this off the way he did. Like, again, Cruz is a good actor, but in this type of role, I think Elba like really just brings this character because this this could have been, you know, generic general number four, and like all the focus would have been on Charlie Hunnam, who, you know, I haven't seen any of the Sons of Anarchy, but I have seen Green Street Hooligans which is uh, a really good film. If you haven't seen that, definitely check that out. He's excellent in that. It's got Elijah Wood and a few other people. Um, but that's a really good film, and like he's really good in it. But this, I don't know. Like He was serviceable. I mean, you don't need you know, Daniel Day-Lewis in your giant robot, giant you know, monster <laughs> right, movie, right. you know, because it's not about the acting. It's about the giant fucking robots. Robot, right. I mean, granted, he was he was good in the couple of parts. Like you know, let let's. Uh, I think it's dead, but let's check for a heartbeat. Yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> like that was scene was ass. awesome. That scene was great. Um, but you know, again, Charlie Hunnam could have been you know pretty much anybody. I think his his uh, Elba really tied this together, and I don't think that was the intention of this character. 
But I mean, that's why I find him so fascinating because, you know, he's in what amounts to be, you know, a minor role, but he ties the film together. Ashes, you look like you've got something to say. I have a lot to say. Um, well, no. So in order to uh, prepare for this role, Idris Elba actually watched footage of politicians and Ridley Scott's Gladiator and Mel Gibson's Braveheart, which I think is very apparent in that scene towards the end, the speech that he gives. Um, He could have delivered it in a stoic manner, but he did not. Um, He could have had kind of like this uh, the mayor of Simpsons type quality about him Quim- delivering this. Yeah, very Mayor Quimby. Um, you know, and, and, and he did not. He delivered it in like a a Bill Pullman Independence Day esque where like I, I ever that comparison. scene, like if I need to get motivated, I watch that scene and I'm like, Yeah, get me all riled up, Bill Giselba. Like, let's go, let's do this. Um, and it's not an overly long speech. No, which is great because you know, to the point. Yeah, short yeah. speech, quick are my to favorite. the point. And he he punctuates it, and he's just he knows exactly how to get his people riled up. He knows exactly how to get people motivated because you know he's been there. Mark, what do you got? Uh, I'm just gonna uh, something else you got. You talked about uh. Idris Elba's speeches, and I'm shocked no one else brought this up. He was in The Losers. I don't know if anyone's actually seen that. Oh, yeah. But he, that's actually, oh. but that's something he does. There's a scene in the beginning of the movie where he's yelling at um, the the head of their crew. And like, even that little like piece where he was like, we've been following you and all this. It was like, oh, okay, we're, we're doing this now. But, uh, but I think the thing about his character was because everyone knew that movie was going to be as silly as it was, you needed someone with some type of presence, like Begin uh, Who Just Said It, to kind of wrap it all up together. Because you can't have a movie that's that silly with that budget without some type of like power or like uh, like serious or drama to it. Yeah. Wilfie, would you uh, mind hitting play on that real quick? Get everybody fired up. Listen up. I don't know if you can hear this, Mark. Today, today, at the edge of our hope, at the end of our time, we have chosen not only to believe in ourselves, but in each other. Today, there's not a man nor woman in here that shall stand alone. Not today. Today we face the monsters that are at our door and bring the fight to them. Today we are canceling the apocalypse. Ah, yes, queen. Yes. Every time. Every time. Yes. That's like, it's just like a 30 second clip, but he's so like, not only is it that like he's making this great speech and everyone respects him because he's, you know, this, this great leader and he's this, you know, you know, no nonsense guy that, you know, just takes charge and like, I know the right decision to make every time he's standing there 
wearing a friggin' Jaeger suit, like, because he knows he's about to go into battle, and he knows that this is a one-way trip for him. So, like, this is, yeah, like, it, it's such a, there are great speeches that characters make, but they're made better by the characters who are actually, you know, leading them, leading the other characters in battle. You know, the, the Aragorn speech, you know, from the end of uh, the third Lord of the Rings movie. You know, the today is not that day yeah. speech. That speech was awesome. You know, the, the brave heart, you can take our lives, but you can never take yeah. our, our freedom speech. You know, Viva uh, Vendetta, the, um, the speech he gives when he's talking to, talking to everyone in England, he goes, if you want someone to blame, well, unfortunately, you, no, you have no choice but look, look at yourselves. I was like, I mean, everything, example, I just, everything he said in that movie was pretty was <laughs> awesome. And Viva Vendetta, yeah. I just loved that whole, the, that dialogue through that whole movie anyway. That was awesome. Ashes, what do you got? Well, I was going to say that it takes um, a character with such a backstory, you know, in order to really humanize something like that, to kind of create that great buildup. You know, he's had this facade for the majority of the film. Everyone thinks he's all right, hiding the the how how fragile he actually is. He's dying. Like he's got fucking cancer, dude, you know? Like that sucks. You know? And how he's overprotective of Mako and how he kind of takes Charlie Hunnam's character under his wing and is is kind of like a father figure to him. You know, you see some of his um humility with the interactions with those characters and the fact that he's, you know, super overprotective of Mako because he doesn't want her to make, I don't want to say the same mistakes, but he doesn't want her to follow in his footsteps because his footsteps are what got him in the situation that he is in right now. Giant robot you know? footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> those are literally big shoes to fill. Shoes to follow, yeah. You know, so it takes a it takes a character with, you know, not only the, the the tragic backstory, but a sense of humility in order to deliver a punch like that. See, I think it's it's exactly what you're saying, and he knows that you know you know he's dying, he's got cancer. Well, and, and like you said, he knows that this is a one way ticket. He knows that this is a suicide mission. He's not coming back. These are his last words to his team. You know, if you know that these are the last words that you're going to speak to someone, you're going to make them count. You want right. them to be memorable. Because he's been sitting on the sidelines for years knowing, like, you know, I'm really good at this. I'm an excellent pilot. I should be out there. I don't want to be, you know, for lack of a better word, sitting behind a desk. I want to be out there on the front lines. I'm a soldier. I'm not, you know, a bureaucrat. I want to be out there. I want to be fighting. And now he's getting his chance. So he's not, you know, this is his speech to his his people, but at the same time, this is him talking to himself. I was going to say, this is him getting himself psyched up for what's about to happen. Because he's going to be out there on the front lines. You know, he's one of four pilots left in the world that are going to go on this mission. Right. It's like, you know and what? you only get one shot to do this. Like, he knows he's going to die regardless, but if he's going to do it, he wants to make it count. Exactly. Devil's Advocate. I got a um, one thing I didn't like about that character about um, 
Idris Elba's character, or one of the things that I found adverse about him. Was he, he, he wasn't shirtless enough. That, that was not <laughs> what I was going to say, but okay. I mean, that's, more that's naked, a fair More half-naked Idris Elba is needed yes. for ashes. Uh, for me, I think that it was um, his whole, like, I have to do this without letting anyone close to me, and I have to, uh, I don't need your... Uh, Whatever would he tell Charlie Hunnam? I don't. I don't need your ad, admiration or yeah. or or respect. I just need your fighting skills and yeah. your loyalty. And um, a lot of that made me think of some of the uh, again the backstory and about his loss and like you said some of the mistakes that he made that led him to the point that he was at. And I had to ask myself how much of it was really humility and how much of it was fallen hubris. Like how yeah. much how much of this how much of this was really like looking at this character and how he interacted with Charlie Hunnam when Charlie Hunnam was really trying to reach him, given that they had the connection that they had, all right, we're not in the army no more. This is just shoulder to shoulder, me and you going out there risking our lives, like level with me. We don't have anything to lose here. I, I lost my brother, you have nothing. Like just level with me. And then that whole like, oh I don't need to level with you. I'm Idris Elba, get out of my face, kinda like I first off, you know, don't like, ever touch like, me. Don't ever Second touch all, me. Don't, don't ever touch, touch me. me. I was like, okay, I get it. You're the general, you gotta keep your if the general, what is it, Sun Tzu said? If the general has no prestige, then the soldiers are out of order. Exactly. So I understand that you got to kind of give them that. Look at that dropping art, the art of war oh, here. I do what I do. So <laughs> jack of all trades, master of none. But um, the fact that he approached it that way really kind of bothered me. Only because have you learned anything? I mean, you you made these unilateral decisions that led you to the apocalypse and your condition in this apocalypse. And none of that really taught you as a, as a general, as a leader to say, OK, look, dude, I'm dying. I'm trying to protect this girl. Let me do that, you know, like to your strongest soldier. And I, I me personally believing, uh, you know, that quality would have taken him further. But again, it was written to be like that for the movie. But that's right. just something in the character I didn't like. I just thought about that when he was talking to him, like, you don't have no one else to really rely on this is a guy you should be he doesn't have anything like this is the guy you know there's if there was ever a guy give him something to believe in something you you have to this is your strongest fighter if he has nothing then you know what do you expect the next time he goes out there exactly stupid mistake but again that was just me over and that that brings me to no no that's that actually like brings up a good point because of the way he interacted with his scientists um, Agreed. Uh, Charlie Day and the dude from Dark Knight Rises. I forget his name. Um, but the weird, creepy looking guy. Um, Keith Ledger? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the other. Yeah, the other guy. Uh, like the way he interacted with them, he was like, I don't care about the science side. Just tell me what I need to do to kill it. And it's like, yeah, but it's so interesting. If we learn about the physiology, it's like, yeah, I don't care. You know where are the guns? Where are the where are the different bullets? Mm-hmm. Where you know where's the swords? You know how do I how do we improve the Jaegers? You know like he doesn't care about like you know the actual logistics of it until it turns out that you know everything that Charlie said was right, and you know he you know he's like okay well I know you know go look for this guy and you know so it does show that he's got a little bit of. Uh, you know, connection to this, you know, seedy underworld, which is, in my opinion, and I don't, I know they don't really get into it, but like, I think that he was getting some of his like cancer treatments from Hannibal Chow. Cause, you know, you see him mm. when he, when he goes, when right, Charlie yeah. first goes in there, it's a fucking apothecary. 
Right. Like, that's literally what it is. It is, yeah. And he's like, you know, he's this high-ranking guy, so they probably, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, give me the good, you know, treatments. Mm. I'll make even... sure you get first access to the kaiju corpses. I didn't even put that... I didn't. I literally just put that together right this okay, second. Yeah, I was like, I, I completely <laughs> missed never that. Of it. That was awesome. So, I mean, I think that's that's well, part well, of it. You you would have put it together a lot sooner, but you didn't have the movie for three and a half years. I didn't. That's <laughs> true. Hey, hey, he can stream it. Yeah, that's true. I did so give her a ton he has of shit. No excuse. Because we did. I I gave her the 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 Blu-ray DVD, but I had. We have it on Voodoo, so we could have streamed it. And I did. I watched it a few times, but I never... Because I'm not looking at this thinking, okay, what are these subtleties that I've missed? I'm like, oh, this is when he picks up the shipping containers, <laughs> fucking smashes them on either side of the head. Oh, this is the best. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Right. Why didn't you use the fucking sword two hours ago? <laughs> I, I must have screamed that at yeah, the robot like we'll, four hundred we'll over. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, we're being dragged off. We're, like, being carried into space. Don't worry. We have a sword. When the fuck were you going to tell me? Yeah, that's that's a short movie. <laughs> yeah, Good information I mean, to know you when you're fighting huge monsters that you have a sword. Yeah. Handy. I mean, I will say this about the film, and I, I really like this about Del Toro. Everyone in the world expected... Uh, Raleigh and Mako to like start making out at the end of the movie and they didn't and I was like you know what I fucking like that I mm-hmm. like that about the movie yeah I didn't really see a, a love connection so much as the whole um, uh, we call it the drift sequence all that stuff yeah. you can't help but to be or have an intimate connection with the person in the machine because the simple fact that's what operates the machine yeah the they're best. inside your head exactly so like, I think it was a lot more I, t- I took it to be a lot more I think that they both carried it very well in that respect like I didn't I never got like a in the beginning there was some like flirty junior high school stuff going on but it quickly shaped up into yeah, like it, look I need you you need me let's go kill monsters it easily could have like devolved into that Absolutely. and like Absolutely. moved over into this you know like typical Hollywood it's like well there's a guy and a girl on screen they have to fuck. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> it was nice that it didn't go that direction. I, I really like that. I agree. Nicole. Well, you know, I mean. If, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Why? Wait a second. Justin's talking. <laughs> oh, sorry, Justin. <laughs> sorry. Oh, that's going all right. I already lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, oh, no but if you've, if, you've been, if you've been inside somebody's head like that, uh, you know, in the capacity to make that machine work, but, you know. These two people have been inside their heads for you know, each other's head for for what you know a half hour or an hour at this point. That is a person that you are never going to make out with. That is a fair assessment. That is a very good point. Because <laughs> I just was in my own head partners. right now, and I don't want to make out with myself. Yes, Patrick. What will you want? Wow! See how sassy she is. She's very sassy. Oh my god! Yes. You're like the Sasquatch. Okay. Ah. That's awesome. No, don't encourage him. <laughs> so, when you were watching this film, yes. You know, have you rewatched it since? No. All right. So, I gave you back the DVD. How am I going to watch? Because you have Voodoo. You have access to the Voodoo account. Don't give me that. So, when you were watching it, yes. What were your initial uh, thoughts on? What, how he carried himself and how he interacted with 
uh, Raleigh Beckett, Charlie Hunnam's character? I mean, I think, you know, they they understood what they needed to do. Obviously, they're soldiers, so they have, like, kind of, like, that moral code or, like, that brotherhood kind of feeling. Like, they understand, like, this is a mission. you got to put your personal th- personal feelings aside. But I wasn't really interested in that relationship as his kind of, like, step... Well, not his daughter, but, like, kind of his, like, pseudo-daughter. His adopted daughter. Yeah. Like, I mean, I understand the relationship he had with Charlie, um, Charlie's character, but it, for me, it wasn't, for me, that relationship wasn't as important as he had with his adopted daughter. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah, because, I mean, that ultimately was what led him to, you know, his protectiveness for Mako was... You know, he kept telling her, like, I'm going to train you, like, you're good enough, like, you've passed all the simulations and everything, but I'm not sending you on this mission. And he's like, well, why? If I'm the most qualified, I'm, you know, the best fighter, I'm, you know, we're drift compatible, why don't you want to, why don't you want to do this? Like, you promised me, you trained me for this. And, you know, she gets really upset, and we kind of see that softer side, that, like, paternal side to him in their interaction. And I think that's when he's just like, you know what? It goes against everything I want to do, but this is the right decision. But, and I think that's the other reason why he decided to go on the mission as well. So that like, at the very least he can protect her. And if, you know, somebody needs to sacrifice themselves, he can sacrifice himself to save her. I mean, that was my impression. I don't know what you guys thought. I was a little lost with the relationship, especially the closeness part, which it made me think of it as um, soon as Nicole said it. it was, I was thinking, like, what relationship? Like, you didn't even find out there was a connection between the two of them until, like, Charlie Hunnam... Drifted. Exactly. And then you realize there was something to do with these two characters. So it was like... And then even after the fact, it was more of a... She was like a secretary or something, kind of just following him around, holding a file. And I didn't really see the whole, like those moments that you would have with your daughter or somebody that close to you where, you know, you're talking to them or looking at them or anything. It was just kind of like, yeah. she was just kind of standing there in the background. So I think a lot of their, and I think they did it that way on purpose, yes. was to be more like, let's keep this part of our relationship concealed. We don't need everybody knowing that you're my adoptive daughter kind of thing. I'm the guy in charge. You're like a lieutenant. Let's. This not, is business. This yeah. isn't personal. I, mean, I get it. I get that part of it. So that part of it made sense as well. But I didn't really see like that whole. Again, there were those parts where it was like I'm trying to protect this girl, but it was like, okay, there's a boy. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's For what me, fathers I, do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I saw it from the beginning. I was figuring out maybe he's just trying to teach her the ropes without trying to, you know, student teacher. Kind yeah, of. kind of student teacher and. At the very end, like I just read that, like the her last sentence is in Japanese was "Teacher, I love you." When he leaves, I, and so yeah. you know, he, I think like he was teaching her without trying to step out that boundary of like, yeah, she's my daughter, and you know, you, we have that personal relationship, but you know, I'm also teaching you in case you have to step in when I leave, and obviously, we'll probably see that. With the new um, Pacific Rim uprising, though. yeah, it's like I'm your I'm your commanding officer first, and your father second because 
you know, the safety and security of mankind and battling these monsters, that's what takes priority, not, you know, our relationship. You know, I'll keep you out of harm's way as much as I can, and I'll do everything I can, you know. Even if it pisses you off, I'm going to pretend that I don't care, but that's me keeping you safe while still doing my duty as, you know, this this military officer. And then at the end, you know, he was... It kind of forced his hand like he didn't have a choice. So, I think that's uh, that's part of the, you know, the real... Uh, the real crux of their relationship. So... Um, does anybody else have anything that they want to add to this? I just want to say... Uh, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was just going to say I expect... Uh, uh, two robots with two boats next time for the second one. Ooh, they can fight like like they're <laughs> sword fighting. Yeah, it's the only way Wait, to up the stakes after after robot hits a monster with a boat is no, no, robot no. got to hit monster with I two boats. Raise the bar there a little bit. Train nunchakus. Ooh. Oh, now we're talking. Train chucks. All, right. All right. What about like they took they took the Eiffel Tower and used it like a spear? Ooh. But that's the final. The final one is just like, what do you got? Right in the heart with, a, with the actual tower. Yeah, just like pick them up, just pick them up, and, and just like him. spike them down. Him. Just pick them up and just billion dollars. Yep. Or the uh, like the Washington Monument, the Leaning Tower, right. something there like that. Go, yeah. Just impale them on something big and sharp. Ooh. Impale them on a pyramid. And he just like slides down. Like he gets he gets uh, quartered, and just each each uh, each quarter slides down a different face of the pyramid. I like that. All right. Well, we've got part three now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Guillermo, give me a call. Oh goodness gracious! In Ray Park. Can I do Ray the Park. So, all right. I think with uh, with that, we'll pretty much wrap up the uh, Idris Elba stuff. What we'll do is we'll come back uh, after break. We'll get into a little bit of... Uh, oh, I'm like knocking water bottles around. Uh, get into a little background with uh, our fine guests here. And uh, we'll wrap it up, give you a preview of what's coming up. And battle results. Yeah. Like, you know, what we like to do. I know you guys like to do the battle stuff, so we'll do the battle stuff. And uh, you look like you want to say something. Like you have something else you want to say. No, I'm, I'm just thinking of Idris Elba. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to I mean, all this talk about Idris. I mean, and, like and, everything you just said was like shirtless Idris Elba. <laughs> right? I, I thought you were going to say something about macaroni again. Speedo Idris Elba. <laughs> we watch. No. We watch. Well, see, Mark, you didn't. Beach this towel is, Idris Elba. This now is I'm a, thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like curious. I'm like, you know, is he? I know. So I know he's dead. Right. But is he going to make an appearance like a flashback? There's, appearance? there's talks in it. the second one. Is like he going? Ghost? To be shirtless, yeah. Like I don't know why he would be like shirtless, being like, "Hello, hey, John Boyega, John Boyega your, my side, Dad. Here I am in a towel." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't so know what kind of relationship weird. they had. <laughs> he just like puts wow. one leg up on a chair. So, son, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. We can't talk about. It. But but how anyway, very, how very top gun of you. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But Idris Elba, if you are listening right now. How you doing? How you doing? Come on, you, the show. you single? Because I could be. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna take half your shit. Half of my shit is yours. Is I'm gonna married. take half of that, so I'm gonna have three quarters. <laughs> 
All right, I think that with that being said, it's time to go to a break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Fueled by tacos, beer, and Bloody Marys, the only show featuring baby Jesus with a nail gun, the pride of PA, and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Farm. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia. Hello. I'm here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life, tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and PunchFarm.com. Keep on punching! <laughs> We're back. So uh, I want to thank our guests for coming in today. That was very nice of you guys, uh, especially yes, thank you, Ian. You. Like, that was a, <laughs> That's more a than nice. <laughs> yeah. So, Ian, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the group that you are here representing, a group that uh, we are a part of because it, house. it fits so well with the, the, the core mission statement of Throwdown Thursday, so to speak. Well, um, Amalgamania. It is a multi-interest group. Uh, we do everything there. Uh, anime, movies, comics, uh, movies, comics, movies. That's it. Anime. <laughs> that, that is everything, right? Wait, do you and talk giant about fucking robots hitting monsters with boats. <laughs> yes. We're adding that. Well, I mean, you have to. Well, yeah, yeah, you have to. Start um, a fight. Honestly, it just started as um, a place to kind of um, talk to like-minded individuals about things that you just don't normally see uh, in like the battles, the cross-reference battles, yep. cross-genre battles. We love doing that stuff. And it kind of just snowballed into this movement of like, um, it became like this place where like everyone's accepted, everyone kind of hangs out. We have like uh, the relationship segment where we talk about, we, we um, try to marry comic themes into like everyday relationship stuff like the um sue richards uh reed richards marriage and mm-hmm. some of the dynamics to that um we just try to reach into everything and it's been a wild ride i've worked with some great people um they're responsible um 
other than the invitation for me being here, they were very excited for me to come on and represent them. It's just a culmination of everything, and the mission statement is just kind of to bridge some of the things we feel like are missing in the culture. Like, um, there's no more kids in comic shops. No one's outside playing. And mm-hmm. there's just, like, so many different things missing from this culture that we miss. So we're just trying to slowly salvage it and put it back in. So that's what we're. That's mainly what we do. But the online stuff is just mostly entertainment. Yeah, and the, and there's so many different aspects to it. There's like you know the the Amalga Beauties face off oh, yes, that you know ladies. encouraging the the ladies to you know break out some different makeup palettes based on your favorite superheroes or supervillains. And you notice how he yeah. just said palette. He recently learned that word, Ashley and I shot out palette, <laughs> and he's just been like looking for any any excuse to kind of slip that in. He's like. Oh, I see. You have a palette. Yeah, like yes, a well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it sounds way better than I'm just like oh, like all your different you know paint sets that you use, like because that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, it does. You know, like those little paint sets that you'd get, like the watercolors where you have like six colors and then like the brush, that's the little exactly plastic case. Like. That's that's how I, I... Except it's a lot more expensive. Yes, than that. <laughs> they just have went way out of their way. Taryn Barber. Um, Rita Lambiris, uh, Tasha Roberts, they've went way out of their way to kind of make their presence felt. Because, like, you know, most uh, multi-interest groups, especially if they're dealing with comics and anime, it's kind of like the fellas kind of more yeah. so have the dominance there. And the ladies were just, like, not in this ballpark. They <laughs> came through and just, like, they have their own presence, their own way of doing things. And it's awesome not only to see that, but to have that element. Because, you know, there's stuff that... As guys, you know, we don't we don't see that they do, you know, especially right. as it relates to uh, the different things that we that entertain us. Also, it's awesome to have them there with us. Yeah, see, Mark knows, and it's you know, it's a great group. Like, uh, and for those of you who you know have been listening to the show for the while, you know, Justin Cooper we had on a while Coop. ago. Yep, Coop's part of this group. That's My when we evil first twin. When we first. Uh, <laughs> what are you laughing? We look just alike. You've never seen pictures? You guys got the I, same you haircut. Do, yes, we do yeah. have the same haircut. You know? Nah, Coop's my spirit animal. And yeah, he came on, did a, did a uh, Booster Gold episode with us. He loves that guy. I don't know why. It's the only thing we... <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Um, I've been a part of that group for a while because uh, my buddy Kurt Gable... Big Kurt... He yes. uh, he got me into it because he was like, oh, you know, you should be part of this group because you know, we're always... Uh, Kurt and I engage in meme wars quite a bit, which is just like the best. We're actually trying to vote Kurt in to be the most interesting man in the world. Kurt is such a character. We love him. He's been um, one of my admins since, like, uh, I would say about a, about six months into the group's origin. He's been one of my admins, and Kurt's just like... He's like bones on the on the enterprise, man. He's just he's a permanent. <laughs> he's fixture. so clutch. Yep. He's just there. Like Kurt's the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's probably like off drowning Martians or causing some kind of traffic accident or something. But when you ask him to do something for you, Kurt is like, he's that guy that not only does it, but he has just like this grace and style with his stuff. He's an awesome dude. He really is. And yeah, he has yeah. such a eclectic kind of taste with stuff. So it's like. The the things he does and how he brings things to you it's it's awesome he's a great guy he is we got to uh, we got to go to his house uh, for a Christmas party in uh, the end of 2016 did you guys do karaoke we did not do karaoke but we Thank did play God. the shit out of Mario Kart all right yeah. good and did uh, anyone get hurt no 
Right, Not good. that I. We played some beer pong. Kurt showed me his uh, his sword and his shield. Awesome. Uh, Which one? Oh, the, like the real ones? Yeah, the, like yeah. the stuff he uses for. He didn't like, put on his Hercules toga, did he? He does weird stuff. No, like. he did take his, <laughs> he did take his shirt off. The shirt was off for a while. He took his shirt off. Uh, and we did get to try on the uh, Sauron helmet, like the right. full size Sauron helmet that's like fucking thirty pounds. I think he wears that for pizza men, delivery men when they come to his house. I think he just yeah, puts just, that on just to that. pay for the pizza. Just that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I, oh, my eye can find you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Mark, give us a little Yo. background on uh, where we can find you and uh, what it is that you do. Uh, what is it that I what, what is it that I do? Um, I'm I'm the host of the Old Man Wade Show with um, one of my one of my good friends, uh, Super Woke Hobby. And we call them super woke because we think it's ridiculous that people can just be so woke that they don't understand what's exactly in front of them. Uh, the show basically started because I just wanted to bring people on to talk about just like issues. Like everyone has a story to tell. So if someone has something they want to say, I bring them on and we discuss it. It's um, it's a it's basically we just go in there. Like we've talked everything from uh, comic books. We did a, an episode about Blue Marvel. And um, his importance as a character, not just being a super strong guy or a super smart smart guy, but both. We've done stuff uh, when he talked. We've done political stuff without bashing anything, but there is no really right or wrong answer. So we kind of just, we discuss stuff. Uh, I did, I've done episodes with my friend where we discussed the most attractive women in the world. Um, sadly, Jason Momoa and um, Idris Elba didn't make the list. Uh, <laughs> Um, we've done, it's just, we're, we're, I wouldn't say it's all over the place, but we find something and we just talk about it. And it's, that's been pretty much what we do. Um, and I'm only like, maybe, I'm maybe 25 episodes in. So just getting the ball rolling. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, you know, like, uh, a nice eclectic collection of, uh, you know, various topics. And, um, I forget the gentleman's name. He was just talking about amalgamate, amalgamation. Did I get that right? Amalgamania. Amalgamania. Yeah. Amalgamania. All right, I'm still in Amalgamation then. Um, Amalgamania, he pointed something out that uh, we talked about recently on the last podcast we did about just men um, saving energy for ourselves and actually like using our emotions. Because like, a lot of times as men, we keep our emotions so pushed down that we don't necessarily get it out until it, you know, we explode not really a good thing. So we talked about like, you know, it not being a weakness to show emotions and things like that. And we talk about like, you know, being a nerd and like be, making it cool. And um, I like what um, he was saying earlier about using comic books as a reference to like talk about relationships. Like, you know what I mean? Like how, like you said, like Reed and Sue, um, how, how their dynamic works. You know, you, we can make things, uh, conversations about like Peter and Mary Jane or Storm and T'Challa, which we'll probably talk about later. Oh yeah. So that's for, um, so yeah, that's what the Old Man Wade Show is. You can find me on Podbean, SoundCloud, and iTunes. All right, yeah, and uh, you know, definitely feel free in uh, in our group you know, if you want to post some stuff. You know, that links and the same thing with you, Ian. Obviously, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, because you guys are always doing contests and raffles and things. Uh, I mean, I've won a couple of. I did the Thundercats contest. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Awesome. So, you know, you guys feel free. You know, to to uh, you know post stuff in our group and. You know, if you're listening to this, I did. Yeah, I you did, you did, you did post it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but I mean, continue. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, sure when will. folks out there, you know, make sure that, you know, 
you guys are checking out Amalgamania. Like, if you enjoy our show and you enjoy, like, the inane, like, random stuff that we talk about... Something for everyone. You will like Amalgamania. All right, now, Justin, for you, uh, I know you're a triple threat. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug? Any, uh, any, any projects you've got going on? Well, I, I mean, I just... Uh, I'm at a downtime right now. I mean, I've got... I, I'm a member of a number of musical acts, and, uh, and right now I'm... More or less taking it easy. So, you know, we're, uh, you know, nothing, uh, nothing on the books to, uh, n- nothing on the books to, to pimp necessarily. Okay. But, you know, once you get back into the swing of things, if you want to start sharing stuff, obviously share it into our group. Thank you much. What do you play? Uh, I, poorly. <laughs> uh, I, I, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to downplay it, but J- Justin's a fucking amazing bassist. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, for, thank you for lying. <laughs> <laughs> He'll and flip he, you a twenty after and the he show, can, and he can dance like a madman <laughs> too. I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. So, sometimes, sometimes you will catch uh, Wolfie and I on on a stage at the same time. Yeah, so, it's happened. Yeah, that's it'll true. happen again, like <laughs> once or twice a year, usually. Yeah, yeah. Once or twice a year, you'll, you'll see that happen. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Mark, you, you look like you're about to say something. I saw you raise your hand. It was something completely stupid, but I wanted to make sure that I got this out. Uh, what if the giant robot is just a giant Idris Elba in a towel and no shirt? Ooh. That, there's a, there's That's a, a line, movie there's I want. There's a ladies around yes. the block. For so that, that, would be an, that would be an Idris Elbot. That's what oh. that would be. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are to keep me busy with all this photoshopping. <laughs> Uh, so you guys have uh, some battle results for us from last week. Yes, yes. So last week we threw down the headless huntsman hootenanny, which was Dwight Schrute versus Ron Swanson. And in a huge upset, uh, Ron Swanson won. That's not an upset. Well, I mean, like, but, but I mean, like, it's the okay. man keeps a claymore mine on his desk. Well, I mean, like, it's not, it's an upset if you voted for Dwight. I mean, I didn't I vote mean, for Dwight. I voted I for no Ron. Choice. I didn't know Ron Swanson, so I was the one who yeah, picked who are Dwight. These characters? Uh, Dwight Schrute is Rain Wilson's character from The Office. Okay. And Ron Swanson is, um, God. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. <laughs> yes, God. From, yes. From, uh, Parks, Parks and, and Recreation. Okay. Okay. Neither of them are Idris Elba. No. No, no. But Idris Elba was on The Office. <laughs> but and if I had to that, choose between the two, Nick Offerman, like Ron Swanson, yeah, I'd, I'd do it. I'd do it. I mean, you know, bully for you. <laughs> 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 so... Um, so we got in, you know, they won uh, uh, Nick Offerman. Uh, although it's funny because on the show, um, Ron Swanson has a crazy ex-wife named Tammy, who is played by Megan Mullally, who is his wife in real life, who just got a tattoo of Ron Swanson on the back of her leg. Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's they have a crazy dynamic. They're really funny together. They do puzzles the naked. They yep, do. That is that, that's true. something to aspire to. Naked puzzling. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, pre- I prefer nudes categories. There you go. <laughs> strip battleship or battle strip. Oh, there you go. I play that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like the worst point of ever. Ooh, you suck my battleship. Ooh. <laughs> oh, right in the patrol bone. <laughs> 
Get your peg out of there. Oh. <laughs> you can't fit three pegs in there. <laughs> what did you people just do to Battleship? <laughs> we just ruined. Oh, that's our that's heads. what we do all Parker the time. Parker Brothers is going to call and have all of our heads. Uh, so, uh, to give you guys a little bit of a preview, next week, be, in honor of the movie coming out, we are. Uh, we're gonna have all of you gentlemen back. Awesome. If you wanna, if you wanna come back, we'll have you all back, and we're gonna be discussing the King of Wakanda. That's right, T'Challa, the Black Panther. We're gonna get into a little bit of history, and uh, we have a hell of a battle for you for this for this episode. Oh, do we? I think I think you're gonna like this one because okay. this is gonna be a, a badass battle. Uh, we were talking about it the other day, Ashes and I. And I don't know if she told Nicole because like it's not no. like we not like we have a chance. We work together. We see each other five days a week. So I didn't see her today. Yeah, we didn't see each other because well, um, we're busy. On um, Amalgamania every Friday, I run the um, Who Dares Wins battles, and I'm um, kind of the un- well. I would say me and Cliff Butler, uh, another admin on the group, are like the uh, battle aficionados. Like we're the ones oh, yeah. who kind of there's uh, many other talented people who help with those battles as well. But we're kind of like the guys who love doing that stuff so i can't wait for oh this that. is this is a good one and it's specific to it actually i i have to i have to admit i kind of took the idea from amalgamania awesome but i went a step further with it okay so um that sounds like everything that sounds like what we do pretty much every week we oh yeah we take it two steps do a, step a step too step far further. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how you do it that's when you know you're doing it right so I think with uh, that being said, I want to thank you, gentlemen, for uh, coming in. Thank you for having us. Uh, Thanks. And we will uh, definitely uh, have you back next week when we talk about T'Challa and Black Panther, who are the same character. Are you going to make Ian drive up for Maryland again next yes. week? Yes. No, they're not putting you not, up for the week? No, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my contract. Ash we're, we're, wait we're, a minute. Ash worked it out for me. It's in my contract. I get an Idris Elba bot. So it's I in his writer. Yeah. Inside my Idris L bot, ladies. I'll be Complete with battleship. about next yep. Monday. <laughs> so I think with uh, that being said, we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday. Call me Idris Elba. Mm-hmm.